0: Now, David Fiorazzo.
1: Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Stand Up For The Truth. Um, Man, we have so much to talk about today, and it's a very important topic, and that is the radical views on climate change and environmental extremism and how some in the church, uh, Christians, are being duped by it. Uh, But, of course, uh, we know the climate has always been changing, and today's guest, Uh, Jay Siegert of the Starting Point Project uh, would agree with that. But let's go to the Lord in prayer and open this up. Father, thank you for allowing us to talk about this important issue. It's it's really, Lord, a worldview issue. And we know there are people that um, really believed lies, and they don't purposely set out to deceive others. And then there are those who are purposeful liars and deceivers, and they are just evil. And uh, so we, we pray, Lord, for those that have uh, maybe the, the, they're deceived, but, but they just uh, don't know all the facts and don't have all the information and certainly don't understand your love for every human being and the value of every human being and every human life. And as we look at this issue of the planet and the earth and saving Uh, Nature, Lord, help us to have a balanced perspective and look at it through the lens of Scripture as we always try to do here. Um, Lord, give us wisdom and lead uh, Jay and I through your Holy Spirit, by your Holy Spirit, and what you'd like us to share and where you'd like us to go today because there's so much we could uh, bring into this conversation. But, Father, let people uh, be informed. Let them be led by you. And I pray for the believers that are listening right now that they would set aside any talking points or any preconceived notions that may go against your word when it comes to uh, your love for us and um, the earth, the planet, and our responsibility here as human beings. So thank you again for this time, Lord. We ask your blessings on those who are listening and that you would strengthen their faith and encourage their hearts. And we praise you for the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. I came across an article last week that um, there's some really amazing information in it um, about how God does love people, but those who are on the extreme end of this environmental movement, they really don't. Um, and the the fundamental divide in life is quite simple: God loves people, and radical environmental activists don't love people. And we um, we don't need to prove that. You've heard that in the media on television Hollywood and how they are trying to save the planet but they don't care for example about babies in the womb here's a couple quotes from that article in the view of eco fascists man is a noxious weed who is nothing more than a parasite whose presence and imprint must be removed as far as possible from every place on earth the fewer human beings the better fascists Seek to control every facet of life But hide behind the empty conceit That you still get to own the stuff They tell you how to run And then it says With at least 90% of the earth's surface Unoccupied and undeveloped We've obviously got a long way to go The problem is That there are not enough people Not that there are too many of them Thomas Sowell once calculated that every human being on Earth could move to the state of Texas. Seriously. With each family of four, for example, having something like 1,800 square feet of living space. Now, this would take up a quarter of the available land, and another quarter of the state would be reserved for agriculture and manufacture, and then uh, at least the last quarter for recreational pursuits. Now, keep in mind, if every human being moved to Texas, lived in Texas, the rest of the globe would be completely uninhabited. Philosophy professor Patricia McCormick at Angela Ruskin University says the only way to save planet Earth is to let humans become extinct. And the worst thing you can do to the environment is have a baby. That's the worldview of wickedness. McCormick doesn't want to necessarily kill everybody. She just wants us all to die off naturally as a form of atonement for all the damage, in her words, the damage humans have perpetrated on the earth and its other inhabitants. Now universities across the country support these views and what she believes on the whole understand this, friends, it's mainstream environmentalism that animal life is superior to human life, that man is invasive and non-native species that, that threatens the entire environment. So understand this drive on the left for population control. Now you know why they support some of the policies they do. We welcome our special guest today to talk about this topic, Jay Siegert of The Starting Point Project. We're going to talk about climate change, and we're going to think this through. Jay, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth, brother. Hey,
2: it's always great to be part of the program. How are you today? Yeah,
1: very, very good. And uh, we first want to just get your thoughts on some of these quotes I just read from this article and the the stark contrast in worldviews when you're talking about climate change and valuing the planet and animals and nature over human beings.
2: Well, it is very alarming, and it's becoming... Uh, more and more popular view, especially, you know, in society and and unfortunately the educational system. And that's where a lot of it really gets promoted is in the school systems. And so we, you know, send our kids off to school and most most mm-hmm. Christians are sending their kids to public school. And I'm not here to say you, you shouldn't or can't do that. Um, some homeschool, some Christian schools, but most of them are in the public school system. So they are going to be hearing what those Teachers and educators have to say uh, a lot of what they're taught there is just fine. You know how to add numbers, although sometimes how they go about doing math is not very effective. And that's a whole other topic. But uh, when we learn about some of those generic things, that's fine. But too, too much of what's happening now in the school system is not just teaching um, math and and spelling and things like that, but they're really getting into many more social issues and teaching our kids what to think, how to think and how to, to live and what's right and what's wrong, which is not not really supposed to be their job. It's supposed to be the job of the parents to be handling most of those issues. But a lot of times Christians have dropped the ball and we don't address them at all. So then the kids go off to school, they learn about it, they come home and they, they don't hear a whole lot from their parents or maybe even at their church uh, addressing those specific issues. So they think, I, I guess it must be fine because they're not telling me it's wrong. And so part of that is the whole um Climate change uh, environment, what's going on there, and the extreme conclusions that they have reached as to what our response should be, which is very very alarming, certainly not biblical, and it all stems from the world view that these people espouse. Um, when we you know flesh this out. It's not so much what we're dealing with on the surface and and their conclusions and statements and things like that. Uh, Those are issues to be uh, informed about and to be aware of. But when we just fight those things, we're putting band-aids on the problem and we really need to get to the root of the issue, which is the starting point, the worldview of these people, these leaders, the educational system. Uh, Because even if we fix one issue of, of climate change, we're still be dealing with abortion and homosexuality and, and gender issues and all those things. So we really need to get at the root of these things, but it's coming into you know the educational system. So our kids come home and they start saying, what are you doing, you know, drinking out of that plastic thing? We shouldn't be doing that. You're killing the environment and seals are going to die and on and on. And, and uh, Christians don't always know how to respond to that. And there is a, a lot of junk science going on as well, which we'll probably get into.
1: Jay, I thank you for mentioning public schools. And I parenthetically add government-controlled public schools. I'll take it a step further and say uh, hostile toward Christianity and unbiblical indoctrination that's going on in public schools. So from the youngest ages, they're teaching most schools in America. We won't say everyone. I won't say every teacher, but this is the U. The uh, well, I was going to say the UN. This is the United States Department of Education, and they pass it down. And this the teachers' unions. We know their worldview. God does not exist equals evolution equals no fixed absolutes and moral law equals. Well, what, what does this teach young people about? the lack of value of every human life so it it affects what they believe not only about their worldview jay but about what young children who are learning what they think about themselves and if they don't there's no god and they don't see the value of their life then no wonder so many kids uh, end up depressed and and worse right
2: Right. It's, you know, children are very impressionable. That's the way God designed us. When you're young, you're just kind of a sponge and you take in whatever is being fed to you. And so when these, you know, children are at school, Again, the teachers, I wouldn't paint them as all being these evil, nasty people. Most of them are very, very nice, very kind and yes. pretty good teachers. But yes. they're, they're simply just teaching the only thing they've ever heard. And it makes sense to them. And we're ultimately dealing with a spiritual issue. So mm-hmm. the things that they espouse to these children are just kind of taken in and not critically... Uh, in, in a critical way, meaning critical thinking, which is a skill that we've lost. We don't teach critical thinking skills anymore. We the kids are taught what to think rather than how to think. And so you've got these young kids hearing all these things from their teachers who they respect and just think, I'm, I'm here to learn. They're, they're not going to lie to me and they're the experts. And so I just need to trust what they say. Well, just, you know, as an aside example, you've got kids in grade school you know, first, second, third, fourth grade or whatever, and they're being introduced to gender issues and homosexuality which again should not be the school's job to be talking about those issues it it should be parents decision how they want to address those things but so the kids are in there and they're having classes on it and they're being told what's right and what's wrong and so you they're taught so picture some boy in second grade and he starts hearing that some boys like girls but some boys like boys and and that's okay that's just the way they are there's nothing wrong with that well the second grade boy he's not at the point in his life where he's all that interested or attracted to girls they have cooties they're gross He, you know doesn't want to hang around them that's Mm -hmm. natural part of, of growing up so he's thinking to himself i was just taught that some boys like boys rather than girls and that's okay and oh, that must be me because I certainly don't like girls. And so now you're, you're messing with his mind and sending them down that track and doing a, a lot of damage. And that's why they want to get this curriculum into the school system in younger and younger ages. And pretty soon, you know, kindergartners are going to be learning about homosexuality. I'm sure they already are in some schools. And so you throw in there the climate change thing and, and all that, and it all comes from a secular worldview that either, you know, denies God or says God is irrelevant, And they're also very inconsistent when they're teaching. they basically are teaching the students that they are here through a long process of evolution over millions and millions of years, uh, survival of the fittest. We've evolved from an ape-like creature. And prior to that, we were fish and plants and things. And um, (laughs) anyway, so that's how they got here, survival of the fittest. And now when the child is in the class, he takes a test and he cheats off of Billy's paper The teacher gives him a zero and and flunks him and think, wait a minute, why did you do that? Well, you can't cheat on a test. It says, hey, wait a minute. You told me the way I got here was by survival of the fittest. That's that's the reason humans are on the planet, (laughs) because they did whatever that was required to survive. I didn't study for the test. I had to cheat off of Billy's paper to pass this class. Now you're telling me that survival of the fittest is wrong? (laughs) That's good. And so they teach them they're nothing but evolved animals. But then when they act like animals, they tell them, well, you can't do that. That's wrong. So they're very inconsistent. But again, the, these minds are very impressionable. So they don't think through things like that critically. They're n- never going to think about that. They're just thinking, OK, well, I, I guess you're telling me I shouldn't do that. But you are telling me it's OK if, if boys like boys. And then they're taught about climate change and that it's that we're terrible. We are destroying the planet. And your parents are probably using plastic at home and doing this and doing that. And <laughs> now they're pitting their, their kids, against, you know, the kids against the parents and it's it really has an agenda going on, not yes. in the mind of each individual teacher, but uh, there's a bigger picture going on and it's happening largely in our educational system and then in the, the media that we feed ourselves.
1: Yes, and if, if you consider our young people, young children, I love what you just said, Jay, that was a, a golden quote. And I, I can't get it exact, but I'm gonna paraphrase, if you teach them the survival of the fittest and that you know they're basically just animals and they then they act on that, meaning cheating on tests, meaning uh, l- treating someone however they want, loving wh- whatever or whoever they want, and then you tell them that's wrong. It's confusing. You're sending them mixed messages. We're speaking with Jay Siegert of the Starting Point Project. I keep forgetting to do this. Forgive me, listeners. Uh, if you would like to interact during the show, text the keyword "Speak Up" to nine zero. One zero zero. You can send an email twenty four seven anytime, comments at standupforthetruth.com Why am I repeating this? Because we got people uh, uh, getting a hold of us an hour later after the podcast yesterday, after we recorded and after the guest was gone. And so we want to make sure if you have a question for Jay Siegert about what we're talking about relating to climate change and creation, please text the keyword speak up during the podcast to 90100, or any time, just write this down so you have it handy, comments at standupforthetruth.com. So Jay, uh, a lot of Christians are really not exactly sure how to respond to these extreme claims that we're hearing in the media and from some so-called educated people, professors and climate scientists on this issue. Can you please just clarify for us it has a lot of meanings, it seems, but what is climate change?
2: Well, that's uh, probably the first question that needs to be addressed, because if if we don't have the same definition, how can you really have a fruitful discussion? And exactly. Then climate change means different things to different people. It's, it's somewhat identical to evolution. Uh, you can have a conversation with someone, and you tell them you don't believe in evolution, and they think, you're crazy. You mean How can you not believe in change? We see change all the time. How can you deny evolution? Well, what they just did was something called equivocation, which just is a time when you set two things equal that really aren't equal. You know, in that case, example, it was the, the concept of evolution and the concept of change. Now, evolution, as taught in the school system, certainly would involve change, but it's not just any kind of change. It's a very specific change that would make things more and more complex, add tons and tons and tons of information along the way. We never see those types of changes, but we do see change. But what happens is anytime someone sees any change at all, they say that's evolution. So now switching over to climate change, it's somewhat similar. You see any change at all. Well, that's climate change. And we know climate change is never perceived as a good thing. It's automatically they've defined it. It's bad. So if it happens, it's bad. And when you see change, that's climate change. So that's bad. And so it's kind of a can of worms. But it started out uh, many years ago. Um, In fact, I think you sent me a a funny picture of a cover of Time magazine (laughs) preparing for the coming ice age. I think it was 1977 or whatever. So back then, they were worried about us heading into an ice age. Global freeze. Yeah, that was (laughs) global cooling back then. And they were so worried about it. And they were alarmists. And all the things we're talking about today were going on back then. But it was the opposite direction. It was, oh, it's cooling. We're getting too cold. We're destroying the planet. We're all going to (laughs) die. Well, that didn't work out well for them because then things started warming up and then they said, hey, we can jump on the bandwagon the other direction. Now it's global warming and the planet's getting warmer, which it did for a while. Um, And so they call it global warming. And that's the end of the the world. We're all going to die and the ice caps are going to melt and we're going to drown and just on and on and on and on. Well, that didn't work out very well for them because it kind of stopped and since 2016, the temperatures have actually been cooling slightly. So it kind of leveled off and then it started heading down the other way a little bit. So then they're, you know, they're creative. They have what we call a rescuing device. When, um, when the actual facts don't line up with your beliefs, you have to come up with a rescuing device. Some reason why your beliefs are still true despite what's happening. So then we went, from global cooling to global warming to then just generically climate change and so the point now is if there's ever any change that's bad and furthermore not only is it bad but we as humans are causing it and so uh it's it's kind of interesting that i i'll be the first to tell you If somehow the climate stabilized and was not changing, they would say that's awful. The climate has always changed, but now it's not. And we're causing it and it needs to fluctuate to stay, you know, to to be a healthy environment. So it doesn't matter what's happening out there. They're going to use whatever is going on and claim it's bad, just like in politics. If they don't like someone that, you know, we know today the liberals don't like Trump. Even some conservatives don't like Trump. Doesn't matter what he does. No matter what he does, they're going to say it's bad. Yeah. So, with climate change, any kind of change whatsoever, not only is bad, but we're causing it, and we got to get rid of ourselves.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Jay, uh, we've got to take a break, and there's so much more to talk about regarding this issue. But when we come back, we want to start with just explaining the simplicity of. The fact that a lot of this push is about control and power, political power, controlling people's lives, government regulation, which means more money for the government and less freedom for the people. So we'll talk a little bit about that and then move on to these arguments. And then what the Bible teaches about nature and, and what God, what, what is God's view? What's the Christian worldview about human beings versus nature and the earth that he created.
0: When we come back, more with Jay Seeger of The Starting Point Project. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo.
1: Our guest is Jay Seeger of The Starting Point Project, and we are talking about climate change, the move from global cooling to global warming, to, okay, everything's always changing. It could go in one direction or the other. But, Jay, we we closed that first segment just making the statement that the main agenda here is control of the people, the government, growth, and power, and it is a – a lot of people that are involved in this, I would say they're not bad people necessarily. They're just flat-out wrong. I would like for you to just describe what you, what's your take on their agenda in controlling people and passing regulations and worshiping the earth.
2: Sure. Uh, there certainly is a huge control factor. Some people want to do it because that is their goal. They ultimately want control and uh, climate change is just a tool. They, they themselves. They don't care about climate change. They probably don't even think it's going to destroy everything. But they realize this is a very useful tool and it's effective. You try it and it's like, wow, this is working. Let's keep going with it. There are others that are true believers. They really, truly mm-hmm. believe in everything they say. And again, you have that with politics. Some politicians use something because it's useful. Other people use it because they truly believe in it. And so you got both those factors going on. And it's about um, for control. It's about um, setting up a magisterium, having this uh, elite group that they're the ones who know and then what you do is you come across very dogmatically with your views, and then anyone who pushes back, you marginalize them to say, see, they're the ones who are causing problems. And because I've for 34 years dealt with, you know, the Bible and science, and especially the whole creation evolution controversy, I've seen that over and over and over, that you you set up the magisterium that, and you, you do what we've, we've called in past programs, uh, elephant hurling throwing out large <laughs> intimidating statements yeah. like evolution's an absolute fact nobody doubts it all scientists believe it. it's backed up by evidence from every area of science so you intimidate people with that and then if someone dares say that well, while they don't necessarily buy into evolution they're the ones who get marginalized they're the science deniers um and then you basically say Oh, yeah, you're right. And all the scientists are wrong. That's a very intimidating statement to respond to, not just by Christians, but by anyone. So if if you say you're kind of questioning climate change, I, oh, yeah, you're right. And all the scientists who actually study this, yeah, they're wrong. Mm. Um, and then uh, I, I think it was actually Hitler that basically said, you know, if you hear something loud enough, long enough and often enough, it becomes true. Wow. So you just keep chanting it over and over and over. You shout people down. You, you just continue and very consistently with that message, and it becomes true. And that's what happened in Nazi Germany. That's what happens with creation evolution. You just keep screaming, evolution's a fact. No one doubts it. And it's the same thing with climate change. So now that's what we have it's settled science. That's another one of those elephant hurling things, intimidation factors. It's settled science. We don't need to talk about the science anymore. We figured this out. We're the magisterium. We know the truth. Don't even bother bringing it up. We're not. We're, we're done talking about the science. We all know it's true. Well, no, we don't know it's true. And what happens, just like within the creation evolution debate, um, the secular scientists will tell the Christians, you guys are not real scientists. Well, why aren't we? Because you're not publishing in our publications. Well, wait a minute we can't publish in your publications because when we try to submit things, you tell us you won't publish it because we're not real scientists. And so it's circular reasoning going on there. And it's the same thing with climate change that you know, these deniers aren't, are not being realistic in their thoughts. So they're not going to get their works published. So the only ones you publish are ones that are pro climate change. And you've got very wealthy organizations uh, giving massive grants, including the government, giving grants out to study climate change. What they're saying is we know climate change is true. It's a useful tool for us. We're going to give you millions or billions of dollars to do a study, wink, wink, but you better conclude that what we're thinking is correct. So no one's going to take hundreds of millions of dollars in grant money, do a study and say, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. We found out you're actually wrong. It's this other thing. They're going to say, wow, you were right. Here's the data that you were looking for. And it leads to terrible science and Some listeners might remember the the hearing about the famous hockey stick. Uh, If you picture a hockey stick, you know, it's laying horizontal. So you're following it from left to right. It's going horizontal, horizontal at the end. And boom, it goes up, drastically goes up. The hockey stick was supposedly this evidence that, you know, the temperatures were staying fairly stable. But then all of a sudden, the temperatures just drastically went up. Global warming is the end of the world. Well, that turned out to be a complete fraud. And then there was ClimateGate, another scandal of trying to produce evidence for global warming and climate change. Well, the models that they were using were actually set up to suppress data. In fact, some scientists use these models and they put in some initial factors which anytime you develop a model you know a climate model or a model of anything there are some assumptions you need to front load with you, you put in to begin with and then you crank out some results well the results are going to depend upon what you're putting in to begin with so what they did with this model is they put in some data cranked it out and it said yep you know global warming's true then they put in like random data that was the opposite of what they first put in and it's still cranked out. Yep, global warming is true. So it was independent (laughs) of the data because it was filtering out anything that really didn't match. So that was a big scandal. Um, and we, we continue to see things like that. You're only going to see things that support the agenda. Yeah, I, I get tired of going to weather.com just to check the weather. I try to go other places now, but there's always these videos of some polar bear standing on a little tiny piece of ice, which is which is what they like to do anyway, but you show the picture. Pictures are very powerful. So, oh, the ice is melting and the polar bear is going to die, and then you see a flooding happening in Mississippi or wherever, and like, wow, global warming and climate change is awful. we got to do something. So these, these visuals are very, very powerful of getting their message across, even though you look into any individual one it has nothing to do with climate change, but they use it very powerfully yes, they do. because there's an there's an agenda going on there.
1: Yeah, and they use these uh, images. They play on people's uh, emotions, and they market it very well. Uh, you know, Coca-Cola does that. Every Christmas we see those polar bears sliding down the hill wearing a red hat drinking a Coke. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, wanna, I, I can relate to the polar bears. Anyway, um, Jay, is, is this – actually because the climate and the planet is always changing or is it because man is impacting the planet or is it a little bit of both
2: well that's a great question and that's probably the most important question to ask you know we got two things going on number one does the climate actually change and and what are those changes and then number two what's causing those changes. So in, in question number one, does the climate change? You'd also ask a sub question of, you know, not only what are the changes, but a third question is, are these changes reasonable? Are they something to be concerned about? And I would say right up front, oh yeah, the climate changes. Again, you know, we had the period of the little ice age and that was um, roughly I don't know, thirteen hundred to eighteen hundred uh, AD, or primary, uh, uh previous to that, we had a the medieval warm period, and that was caused. We won't get into all the details here, but some of that I think has to do with solar activity. We've got greater solar activity and lesser solar activity. They call it a solar minimal and maximal, and you got sunspots, uh, but even that's only a variation of. 0.1% of the the sun's output. So it's not this massive change, but changes in solar activity could have led to this little ice age that they had in the past where temperatures were lower. But all we really know about the little ice age that happened in the past was it definitely was cooler than normal in the European areas in North America, but we weren't measuring it all over the planet to see what was going on globally. But it's definitely colder there. The Thames River had frozen over they were ice skating on it. But then we went into a warmer period just after that, uh, you know, things warmed up again up until the, you know, 20th century. But for the past, 20 years or so, it's pretty much ceased and, and stabilized. And again, as I mentioned, since 2016, is I think it's decreased just a little bit. So the big point here is the climate has always changed um, and it hasn't killed the planet. In fact, there are many arguments that a warmer planet would actually have benefits. You have more carbon dioxide. Plants breathe in carbon dioxide and crank out oxygen and you have more growth. There's evidence of plants growing and and even encroaching on desert areas. And when you have more plant growth and higher elevations, you can have more sustainability in those areas. So it's really a, a very positive thing. And it seems to stabilize itself, which I won't get into right now. But the the planet seems very stable in general. But getting back to the original question, yes, the climate has changed over time. And then secondarily, are human beings the cause for it? Well. You can make very strong arguments that no, we, we are contributing very little to that because a lot of these changes were mm-hmm. or prior to the Industrial Revolution where nothing we did really had any effect. And they say, Well, the Industrial Revolution changed everything. Well, there were some changes going on there and we need to be careful, we can get into that too, is we can't just write off the whole thing and not care about the planet at all. But Prior to the Industrial Revolution, there were you know, significant climate changes going on, but it obviously didn't have to do with our manufacturing and burning coal and all that. So and that's the big thing that's going on today. They'll say climate change is real and mankind is calling it, is uh, causing it. So I would agree. Yes, the climate is changing, but it's not extreme. But I would argue more so that it's not mankind causing it, you know, small volcanoes, um, going off can do a lot more damage and effect shouldn't even say damage but more of an effect than uh, human beings combined driving their cars around for a year
1: um recently um alexandria ocasio cortez she goes cortez she goes by aoc um i think last year she said that uh, we've got 12 years left before the planet is destroyed i mean i paraphrased her but she's talking about climate change if we, and if we don't do something i remember i think it was tucker carlson on fox news that played this clip of the leading democrats all the major news networks that were you know left leaning meaning you know 80 percent of them they were all using the words existential threat Talking about climate change, global warming, save or global whatever, saving the planet, and it's it's all going to be destroyed if we don't do something now. Twelve years, and then Bernie Sanders just recently said something like, "We've only got eight years, or something, seven or eight years." This is can can the average reasonable American Jay really take these people seriously? And if so. How dangerous is that, that they've believed some of these talking points that are just lies and sensationalist?
2: Well, that's the thing. It's extremely sensational. You know, Forget for a second whether it's true or not. It's certainly very sensational. It catches people's attentions. And a lot of people are they're panicked by it because they're thinking these are our leaders, they're telling us they've studied it. We have to do something. And um, there are youth are saying, I'm not going to have any kids because I don't want to bring him into this world. We're not going to be around much longer. Anyway, we're destroying the planet. So I'm not bringing another human being into a planet like that. And so there's extreme reactions. Um, Many listeners remember Jacques Cousteau, interesting naturalist. He had a lot of interesting things on his programs that I liked, but he was a naturalist and his conclusions about world population, you know, humans are destroying the planet. There's too many people, which we know there are not. And you mentioned that upfront, but he seriously said, in order and quoting verbatim, in order to stabilize world population, we must eliminate 350,000 people per day. Uh, what do you mean by eliminate? He's not saying let's slowing slow down our birth rate and not have as many children. No, the existing people, we need to get rid of them well, what does that mean? We know, you know, first abort babies, and after that, you know, youth who are having health issues, then the, the elderly and people with mental abilities, and you go on down the wow, line. yeah. And there are many people who are, you know, no pun intended, dead serious about this. We have to get rid of human beings. This is destroying the planet. Well, why should we care? It's survival of the fittest. If mm-hmm. we're more fit than the animals or plants or whatever, so be it. Good for us. But they're contradicting their uh, reasoning when they do that. Another uh, professor from the University of Texas at Austin, he said the earth would be better off if 90% of humans were wiped off the face of the planet and he suggested maybe an airborne Ebola virus and he got a standing ovation for saying that. Well, I think everyone who stood up should be volunteering to be the first to get rid of themselves then. (laughs) Um, But but they 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 never do that. That's a good
1: point. They want it to be everybody else. They're talking about decreasing the population, but they're saying, Well, well, it's going to be other people, not me.
2: That's right. And then a a bioethicist from uh, New York University, he seriously suggested that we engineer human beings to fight to fight climate change, meaning alter their genes to make them shorter um, so they don't take as much food, then also give them drugs to take away their interest in eating meat and. then alter their genetics to give them more cat-like eyes so they can see better in the dark, they don't have to use as many lights at night to save energy and reduce their carbon footprint. And they are dead serious about things like this.
1: But Jay, let me play devil's advocate here. Can, can a Swedish climate activist who's a teenager and skips school and now has her own show on the BBC and is nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize, can she and so many others be wrong?
2: Well, you know what? I, I kind of feel sorry for her. She is yeah, I do. totally being used. Yeah, you know, I know. We do. <laughs> uh, it'd be nice if someone could get to her and help educate her a little bit more. So, so we need to look at what she's saying and think more about what's being said rather than come down too hard on her. Because you know what? If it wasn't her, it would be someone else. Yep. But she's very useful for her. Prior to her saying those things, no one heard of her, no one cared about her. These activists weren't saying, what can we do to to make her life better? How can we help her or people like her? No, but all of a sudden, hey, here's a useful person because you know why? Nobody dare criticize her because of her physical condition and she's a youth and she's a female and all these things. So she's perfect for them. They don't ultimately, I'm sure some do care about her, but most don't, she's just very useful. So she spouts these things off and then other youth are like, yeah, I'm with her. They jump on the bandwagon. And again, how can she and then these scientists behind her be wrong? Well, it's not about consensus science. We don't determine truth by how many people believe something. And uh, one quick example, this is important, just critical thinking skill. I was giving a talk, and it had to do with the Bible and creation and evolution, and I was at a Christian university, and one of the Christian professors who was at this university, who they now teach evolution. Oh boy. They used to teach creation, but they're teaching evolution there now. So I was speaking, and he stood up afterwards, and he said, I think that what you're doing is damaging to the students to teach them that they can actually trust Genesis. Wow! And one of his arguments was he again he fully believed in evolution his argument was how could all the scientists be wrong meaning you know almost all the scientists believe in evolution how could they be wrong so i looked at him and i said do you think that most scientists believe that the bible is the inspired word of god he said no i said how could all the scientists be wrong and so i just used his own logic against (laughs) him he says something must be true like evolution because most scientists believe it well most scientists believe the bible is not the inspired word of god so they must be right how could they be wrong but he was willing to say well they're wrong about that so science is not determined by how many people believe something, what they call consensus science. In fact, a lot of the discoveries that we make are made by one or two people bucking the system. And you know, one quick example, um, plate tectonics, scientists for most of scientific history believed that these the plates in the earth were stable they did not move well one guy said you know what i I think they've moved and they just laughed at the guy for 40 years they said you're wrong you're a joke we all know the plates don't move well now all the scientists believe the plates have moved but it took one guy to say the data doesn't match up to your belief system So we can't go with consensus science. Mm. And I would not say that most scientists believe that climate change is bad and that we're causing it. The only ones that get to speak and get published are the ones who agree with the consensus science in a sense that it's true. And so we get the impression, and another quick example in a marketing thing, what you do is you invent some doll for kids. And it's new. No one's heard of it. But then you promote it through the radio and TV saying, oh, these things are flying off the shelves. Everybody wants one of these things. Everyone has one. So you believe it's like, well, I got to get one if everyone has one. (laughs) So you go to buy it. And now it is true that everyone's buying these things. So you say everyone believes in climate change and it's bad we're causing it. Some people say, Oh, if everyone does, I want to. I don't want to be ostracized. I don't want to be considered Ill- illiterate. So I believe it. So all of a sudden, a lot of people do start believing it, but they don't know why.
1: Hey, Jay, we have to take a break. But did at one point, did the majority of, uh, I guess, scientists believe the earth was flat?
2: Well, a, a, a lot did. A lot of the general public did. Not so many scientists, but, uh, but then it became more popular. Then it was totally debunked, but yeah. it's, it's raising its ugly head again.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Isn't that amazing? Well, anyway, we, one thing we need to remember, science doesn't speak. Scientists do. Uh, when we come back, more with Jay Siegert of The Starting Point Project.
0: Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest
1: is Jay Seeger to the Starting Point Project. We are talking about climate change and alarmism and uh, those that would play on the fears of an uninformed public and especially young children. And we're going to talk about the biblical perspective and what does the, God's word Teach us about this apparent concern. We're going to get there in a minute. But because young people are believing what their teachers are saying, and I'm sharing part of this article written by one of my colleagues over at Freedom Project, Alex Newman, um, he's a journalist and researcher, school children terrorized about dying from climate change. And this is sad, you guys, but we used to say what's happening in Vegas won't stay in Vegas. And then we can say as a nation what goes on over in Europe won't stay in Europe. But this was just our northern neighbors in Canada where kids are being terrorized with climate alarmism to the point that some of them were going home crying to their parents and saying we are going to die in eight years And why? Because they were teaching unless the United Nations is given more power and money to uh, direct toward climate change. So these children were going home and one little girl was screaming and in class when she heard this, you know, climate change propaganda. Um, And it's so sad. These are second and third graders. And this specific story is uh, out of Toronto, uh, as they say, Toronto. and it's just so sad that these kids, they, like you said, Jay, earlier, they are so impressionable. Of course they're going to believe what they're, and trust what their teachers are telling them. And so how do you, once you scare these kids to that point where they're thinking the world's going to end, how do you walk that back?
2: Well, it's challenging. I remember when I was in grade school, we would have uh, bomb drills, you know, uh, as if we were in the United States was attacked. I remember you that. Know, what, what do we do in the schools? Tornado drills, bomb drills, you know, just a few of those. And it kind of creeped you out thinking this might happen. Now, I don't think they overdid it and i think some of it was appropriate especially tornado drills but but now today you know the global warming thing yeah kids are crying they think they have no future and they're also going to die and and so i i think it's terrible They're i think it's you know mentally abusing these children um and i think the only way to really resolve it one approach would be to try to get all the science out there and tell these kids about the science. Like, that's that's not practical. Again, science doesn't speak. Scientists, like you mentioned, scientists do. It's their opinion. And the only opinion they're going to get is the twisted view that we've been hearing. And so that's not really truly going to fix it. The only real fix is to get the right foundation established with these children, the right starting point of biblical worldview. And that doesn't necessarily mean fighting to try to get the Bible back in our public school systems. That'd be awesome, but I just can't even imagine that happening. And then um, you're gonna have non-Christian teachers trying to teach the kids what the Bible has to say. It, just, it doesn't make any sense the, no. the better solution is to move within the Christian church to make sure everyone in that church is totally founded and grounded in the authority of God's words, true from cover to cover, strengthen their faith so that they can in turn not go out and debate climate change, but go out and share the gospel message confidently, knowing if someone brings up tough questions about the Bible, they know there are answers. But by sharing the gospel message and changing lives, the culture would slowly change and it would get into the educational system and into the media. And we wouldn't have to fight these 50 million issues of Mm -hmm. transgenderism, homosexuality and climate change and all that. So that's where it starts, and just one verse from Scripture, sure. Genesis 8.22, says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease.
1: Mm, interesting.
2: It's a great foundational verse getting us back to Genesis. The big picture is God created this universe. He created this planet. He created every form of life on it, and it, he didn't just create and say, well, let's see where this goes. He knew where it was going to go. It was perfect. And he knew Adam and Eve were going to mess it up and we'd make it even worse. But he still had a plan. Genesis 3.15, he's going to send his own son to die on a cross. And the rest of the Bible is playing out that history. He has a plan for not only Jesus to have come and died on that cross, but to return again. It says in Revelation and other places, God's going to create a new heavens and a new earth that won't have this curse and death in it anymore. He's got the big picture plan. So there's no way that God created all this and he had a plan, but he's like, oh my word, they're messing it up. They're gonna destroy everything and now I can't carry out my plan. No, he knows what's going on. He designed the earth to be very resilient. Um, And just one minor example, we talk about the temperatures increasing. Oh, that's so bad, we're gonna kill ourselves. Well. It was much warmer in the past. We had much more vegetation and things thrived, Though so apparently being warmer was good. And today, when there is slight warming, which there's slight warming, if any ice sheets melt, that brings more iron into the oceans. Iron increases the amount of algae. Well, algae trap CO2, removing it from the atmosphere. When they die, they take it to the ocean floor. So there's a cycle going on that balances the environment of the earth. God did that. God's pretty sharp, he knows what he's doing. And so, yes, the earth can withstand different extremes, just like we can live in temperatures that are really, you you and I, we live in Wisconsin. We can handle that. Other people live closer to the equator. We can handle that too. If it got a lot, lot, lot hotter, that wouldn't be good or tons, tons colder, it wouldn't be good, but God knows the range in which we would exist and he designed us to be able to handle those changes. So it's the same thing with changes in the climate. We can handle changes. That doesn't mean on the other extreme, we don't care at all. We just pollute the earth. God gave us charge over this earth and we need to be responsible stewards, but we don't take it so far as many do to worry about the spotted owl and the global temperatures, and then we just abort babies by the millions. Like, we've got it totally backwards, so there mm-hmm. needs to be a balance here.
1: Amen. And Second uh, Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 10, uh, talks about the day of the Lord, not meaning when we're in heaven with him and he returns to take us home, and meaning Judgment. judgment when he returns, he, it says it will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness, and godliness waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of god and then it goes on but it's it's we're looking for in a new heaven as it says in verse 13 waiting for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells on our current planet as we know righteousness does not dwell um i don't know if you want to comment on that further jay
2: Well, yeah, we need to be focusing on not, quote, saving the earth, but, quote, saving people amen uh, we are the apple of god's eye we should be focused on evangelism and discipleship along the way being good stewards because this is this is god's plan he created it uh it's his and he wants us to be stewards of it so we should be good examples of stewards And we should be looking into ways to recycle plastic and to conserve energy but not to an extreme where we're not at all focused on on saving people um and primarily again sharing the gospel so that their eternity is cons- is secured. That should be the primary focus of every single Christian mm-hmm. and if they did that, a lot of the, the secular world that pushing back against us would slowly change because their lives would be affected by the the shining light, the, the light that we're giving them, the truth of the gospel message.
1: One more thing and we're, we're gonna wrap it up. Thank you, Jay. I just appreciated this conversation. Hopefully it was helpful. Uh, to reestablish or reinforce that Christian worldview for our listeners. But um, we talk about the natural changes of the planet. And, of course, we know due to sin, things have been changing from the beginning. Um, But we also, we're, we're talking about how man has some impact and we cause some things to happen. But we really do forget God oftentimes. I'm looking at Isaiah 45. And it says, verse 5, I am the Lord, there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. In verse 7, I form light and create darkness. I make well being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. And then down in verse 12, it is Isaiah 45, it says, I made the earth and created man on it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens, and I commanded all their hosts. But I just wanted to give that those final scriptures to remind people that yes, God is sovereign. He's not up there pacing because of climate alarmism and we're destroying the planet god is sovereign and he sees the end from the beginning jay uh, final thoughts and we got to wrap it up real quick
2: yeah god is in control he knows what he's doing um, he, we don't really contribute much to the climate change even if the carbon levels doubled which would be huge the model shows it would only increase the temperature one degree celsius so god knows he created this earth it's his we are responsible to him for our own decisions right. we need to be focused more on that rather than the extreme environmental uh, issues that we've been talking about
1: amen jay Seeger, the starting point project uh, we'll talk to you again soon brother thank you so much for joining us
2: Thanks again.
0: All right, when we come back, we'll tell you about some exciting guests we have coming up next week. Stand Up for the Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media, Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth.
1: All right, Monday, Pastor Alvin Dupree, a Wisconsin pastor has been dealing with uh, some uh, bullying in the uh, public schools there in Appleton and some of the things, the school boards. Man, he's been a fighter for religious freedom. And also, Carl Teichrib on Tuesday will be our guest. And he just got back from PantheaCon 2020, the world's largest annual conference of pagans. He's going to have a full report next Tuesday. Wednesday, Leslie Montgomery talking about the faith of Vice President Mike Pence. Paula Payton is a pro-life speaker and activist who was conceived in rape. She will be here Thursday, actually on the air, not here in person. And Dr. Walter Martin's daughter, Jill Martin Rishi, back with us for the second time on Friday, talking about a cult and the new age and more. A lot of great guests next week. Thank you so much for listening. Please share our podcast on social media. God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.